Welcome to the Compelling Words Podcast. The Word of God is meant to move us. It's meant to call us to action. Listen in as Kevin Purdy teaches and presents a genuine and compelling message from the Word of God. Question to ask you this morning as we get into this. Uh, do you say Happy Holidays or do you say Merry Christmas? <laughs> well, not too long ago there was somewhat of a national argument and a debate about that same question. Should it be Happy Holidays or should it be Merry Christmas? Happy Holidays was considered too generic. It was too secular. Therefore, Merry Christmas was supposedly better. Because apparently saying Merry Christmas somehow kept the focus of the holiday on the right things. According to some, saying Happy Holidays seemed to intentionally make the holidays more commercially focused. Actually, I think it was kind of a little bit ridiculous. It was kind of a plain, silly argument. Because Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays have both been said and used in generic, shallow ways. And both Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays have been used and said with good intentions. The truth is, the word holiday is derived from the Old English words for a holy day. And the word merry, at one time, was a word that was associated with excessive carousing, drunkenness, and revelry. So... It's interesting to consider how the tradition of saying Merry Christmas came to be. Some would say that the famous author Charles Dickens helped make it popular. His story, A Christmas Carol, is a Christmas classic. It was published in 1843, and in his book, in that book, A Christmas Carol, Merry Christmas is said or quoted over 20 different times. Incidentally, that same year, the first commercially produced Christmas card was sent. And on the card, it said, A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you. Dickens' story of A Christmas Carol first became a movie in 1938. But the story, of course, has been adapted and told in many, many movies throughout the years. For me, I remember three different versions. When I think of A Christmas Carol, there's three different versions of the movie that I think of. I remember the 1984 movie with George C. Scott. I remember the adaptation called Scrooged by Bill Murray. And mostly, I remember Mickey's Christmas Carol. Scrooge McDuck is Ebenezer Scrooge. Mickey Mouse is Bob Cratchit, a man who works for Scrooge. And Donald Duck is Fred Honeywell, nephew of Scrooge. It's just another work day, and any jackanapes who thinks else should be boiled in his own pudding. But sir, Christmas is a time for giving, a time to be with one's family. I say bah, humbug. I don't care. I say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Well said, Master Fred. Cratchit, what are you doing? Uh, uh, I was just trying to keep my hands warm, sir. 
And what are you doing here, nephew? I've come to give you a race and invite you to Christmas dinner. Well, I suppose you're going to have plump goose with chestnut dressing? Yep. And will you have plum pudding and lemon sauce? Yeah, boy, oh boy. And candied fruits with spiced sugar cakes? Yeah, will you come? Are you daft, man? You know I can't eat that stuff. Here's your wreath back. Now out, out, out! Bah! Humbug! Merry Christmas! And a bah humbug to you. Huh? <clears throat> the story of a Christmas carol is centered on that character, you know, named Ebenezer Scrooge. He's a hard-hearted, cold, and miserable businessman living in old London. He hates Christmas, but he's visited by the ghost of his deceased business partner who warns him that he needs to change his ways. And that visit preludes three more visits that he gets from three more ghosts. The ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Charles Dickens didn't write that story just for entertainment. He actually wrote it to kind of make a point. He wrote it to make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. It is a ghost story. It's a story where the main character is named Scrooge. Now, when we think of that word, we think of the word Scrooge, and we think of, you know, old and crankety and mean But that word was actually an English word that was used and it meant to squeeze. Listen to how Dickens describes Scrooge in the book. He says, oh, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, Scrooge. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. Hard and sharp as flint from which no steel had ever struck out generous fire. Secret and self-contained and solitary as an oyster. The cold within him froze his old features, nipped his pointed nose, shriveled his cheek, stiffened his gait, made his eyes red, his thin lips blue, and spoke out shrewdly in his grating voice. A frosty rhyme was on his head and on his eyebrows and his wiry chin. He carried his own low temperature always about with him. He iced his office in the dog days and didn't thaw it one degree at Christmas. Scrooge wasn't just mean. He was the epitome of greed and selfishness. He was angry. He was resentful. He was hateful. With indignation, Scrooge said, If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. Now, that's somebody who's struggling to get into the Christmas spirit. (laughs) That's really harsh. But the movie doesn't end with Scrooge having that cold, callous heart. The vision from his visitors, has a deep impact on him. And the movie ends with Scrooge becoming a new man. 
He wakes up Christmas morning and he's filled with joy. He shouts Merry Christmas over and over again. He hurriedly shaves and dresses, dancing with enthusiasm. He races out into the street and offers to pay the first boy he sees to deliver the largest Christmas turkey he could find to Bob Cratchit's home. He sees a man who earlier that day was looking for charity for the poor, and he apologizes for how rude he had been to him, and he pledges to donate. He attends his nephew's party, and he's so warm and kind that everyone's blown away by him. The next morning at the office... He initially pretends to be angry because Cratchit showed up a little late for work. But then he announces plans to give him a raise and to help his troubled family, including becoming, as the movie says, a second father to Tiny Tim, Bob's ailing little boy. Their narrator of the story tells us that Scrooge became as good a friend, as good a master, And as good a man as the good old city knew. Some laughed at the alteration in him, but he was happy to let them laugh. And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well. A Christmas carol is a story about redemption. That's what it's about. It's a story about redemption. According to the Cambridge Dictionary, the word redemption means the the state of being kept from evil or improving morally. The Oxford Learner's Dictionary defines redemption as the act of saving or state of being saved from the power of evil. The gospel is also a story of redemption. And it's a greater story. Because it's the true story about our redemption. Colossians 1 verse 12 through 14 says, Give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Christmas is a celebration of Jesus, the Son of God. Because through Jesus, we have redemption. Through Jesus, we have forgiveness for our past, for our present, and for our future. If we are in Christ, fully surrendered to Him as Lord and Savior, then our past has been forgiven... Our present is being forgiven, and our future will be forgiven. We have to look at the manger, but then we have to look beyond the manger. Some 30 years after that miracle birth that we celebrate at Christmas, some 30 years after that, Jesus was crucified upon a cross. And it wasn't just the execution of an accused man. It was the willing sacrifice of a Savior. A sacrifice that was given on our behalf. In the book of Hebrews, in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 10, the author compares Jesus to a priest. A priest who is offering a sacrifice. And listen to what is written in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 and 12, and then verse 14. It says, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. 
Again and again, he offers the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, meaning Jesus, when this priest Jesus had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. He sat down at the right hand of God because his job was complete. The mission was finished. Sins had been paid for. Verse 14 says, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. One sacrifice for all time. By one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. That's us. That's you and I. His sacrifice is for us. The NIV Biblical Theology Study Bible explains it like this. It says, by this, by his single sacrifice, Christ decisively accomplished what was needed for us to draw near to God. This is what God continues to work out in our lives now and will fully accomplish in the future based on Christ's work. One sacrifice... And it forgives our sins, past, present, and future. That's the power of what Jesus did for us. Old Scrooge saw his life from a new perspective, and it changed him. When we look at our life through the cross, it ought to change us. Hebrews 10 continues. In verse 22, it says, Therefore, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. In verse 23 and 25, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Through Christ we are forgiven. Our sins are atoned for. The sacrifice has been made past, present, and future. So let's draw near to God. Let's hold on to our hope, to the faith that we have in God. And let us keep encouraging one another to love and good deeds. Let us never give up meeting together. What an encouragement it is for the church to come together. And the scripture tells us that because we've been forgiven, because that one sacrifice has been made, let us not give that up. Let us not give up meeting together. Let us not give up drawing near to God. Let us continue to hold on to that hope, to that faith. There's another well-known Christmas movie that carries the very same theme that this movie carries. It tells it a little bit differently, but it's the same general theme. That movie came out in 1966, and it has also become a classic, and you probably remember it. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Do you remember how the narrator introduced the Grinch? Said this, The Grinch hated Christmas, the whole Christmas season. Now please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. Or it could be that his head wasn't screwed on just right. But I think that most likely a reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. 
The Grinch hated Christmas. He hated Christmas so much that he plotted a way to take the joy right out of it. So on Christmas night, he snuck down, he sneaks down into the local village called Whoville, and he steals all the presents. But when Christmas morning comes, he's shocked to hear all of the Who's in the village still singing and celebrating. Maybe Christmas means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville they say that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And then the true meaning of Christmas came through. Just a couple of fun facts. I thought they were fun facts. The song, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, is sung by Thurl Ravencroft, who also happened to be the voice of Tony the Tiger in the Frosted Flakes commercials. (laughs) And then if you watch the movie close enough, for most of the movie, the Grinch has red eyes. But at the end of the movie, after his heart grows, his eyes turn blue. Like Scrooge, the Grinch became a new person. So even from a secular view, even from a secular view, apparently Christmas is meant to make us better. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those qualities are what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. They are the character, the heart character qualities that our hearts produce by allowing the Holy Spirit to work and to shape and to change us and to shine through our lives. That's what living a new life in Christ looks like. It is the grateful and joyful attitude of someone who has been redeemed. In 1988, the Sunday Telegraph of London gave Charles Dickens a title. They called him the man who invented Christmas. And that title then was used to make a movie in 2017 telling the story about Charles Dickens writing a Christmas carol. Now, that title may seem a little exaggerated, and I'm not sure that I would say it like that. But let's consider some of the history of the Christmas holiday. Christians celebrated the birth of Jesus long before Charles Dickens. But in England, in England, at the turn of the 19th century, Christmas was fading. Some very conservative Christians chose not to celebrate Christmas. Because there's no Christmas celebration detailed in the Bible, so they didn't think it was proper to celebrate it. So a lot of Christians chose not to celebrate Christmas. Not only that, though, even more than that, most of the popular Christmas festivities of the 16th and 17th centuries had become quite excessive. Christmas celebrations were often went on for days, and they were immoral and decadent. Christmas was described as a pretense for drunkenness, rioting, and wantonness. Coincidentally, 
that's when the phrase Merry Christmas began to be criticized by some Christians because they thought that the term Merry in front of Christmas was endorsing the reckless and the sinful celebrations that Christmas was becoming. You don't want to have a merry Christmas because the word merry implies drunkenness and rebelliousness and, and all of this excessiveness. So let's not say merry Christmas. And then comes 1843 and a Christmas carol. The book is published. And the book instantaneously became very, very popular. Christmas once again began to gain popularity as a major holiday. The traditional 12-day celebration of Christmas, though, got reduced and centered on two days, Christmas and Christmas Eve. Christmas began to be celebrated with families coming together around a meal rather than going out to parties. Before the book, Turkey was not very common as a Christmas meal. But after the book, turkey became very popular as the Christmas meal. Christmas made a comeback. And it once again became acceptable and okay to say Merry Christmas. Maybe the book and the movie remind us why Christmas should be celebrated. Maybe it reminds us of why Christmas should be celebrated. Because Christmas celebrates Jesus. And only through Jesus can we be completely rescued. Only through Jesus can we really be redeemed. 1 Peter 1.18 says, We were redeemed from an empty way of life. And 1 Peter 1.19 says that we were redeemed through the blood of Christ. Scrooge was known for a certain phrase. Scrooge was known for saying, everybody say it with me, bah humbug. That's what he was known for. He was known for saying bah humbug. And we tend to think of that expression as just a grumpy expression of disdain. Bah humbug. We think of it that way. But actually, bah humbug was more than that. Humbug was actually an expression of doubt. It was an accusation of something being fake or false or not right, inauthentic, a hoax, an imposter, a misleading lie. Bah humbug. Calling something humbug meant you were accusing it of being an imposter or fake or not real. An equivalent expression today would be fake news. <laughs> that would be an equivalent expression today. When people said, Merry Christmas, Scrooge said, Bah humbug. Fake news. It's not real. It's not right. It's, not, it's a lie. But Scrooge learned that it wasn't a lie. The joy of Christmas was real if his attitude was right. Merry Christmas was real in compassion and kindness. Merry Christmas was real in love. Redemption is possible. And real, lasting, eternal redemption comes only through Jesus Christ. Isn't that worth celebrating? 
So let me say, Merry Christmas. And in the words of Tiny Tim, God bless us, everyone. Please stand with me as I pray. God, we pause just now and we thank you. We thank you that we can say Merry Christmas. We can say Happy Holidays. We can enjoy the season. We could lift you up and just celebrate because we know that we have been redeemed. We have been saved from that which is evil. We have been saved from the guilt and the burden and the weight and the punishment of our sins. All because of a gift given by you. A gift that was wrapped, laid in a manger. A gift that later went to the cross. And Jesus gave his life for us. We thank you that that is worthy of our celebration. God, we honor that in the way that we live our lives. We draw closer to you. We hold on to our hope. We continue to meet together and encourage one another. We let your spirit shape our character into the men and the women that you've called us to be. Thank you for this Christmas. Thank you for your words to us today. In Jesus' name, amen.